1,623 in Keradigian. There have also been 11,232 tests carried out since the last report. Across Wales, 403,463 have received a first dose of COVID-19 vaccine, with 786 receiving the second dose. Dr Robin Howe, the incident director for the COVID-19 outbreak response, has said, We support the change in regulations from Saturday, which allows a person from one household to exercise outdoors with one person from another household. We are increasingly confident in the data, which is showing a consistent downward trend in the numbers of positive cases in Wales. However, the number of cases is still high and this is placing extreme pressure on our NHS Wales hospitals. The UK variant of coronavirus prevalent in many parts of Wales is up to 70% more transmissible and as reported last week, there is evidence which suggests that it may lead to a higher risk of death than the non-variant. This is a crucial time. We must ensure that we stick to the rules over the next few weeks so that the number of cases continues to reduce and that hospitals can start to recover whilst the vaccination programme is underway to protect the most vulnerable in our communities. It is important to remember that all current variants of coronavirus are still spreading and can cause severe illness and death. Therefore, it is important to stay at home and to reduce opportunities for spread by keeping your distance, washing your hands and covering your face. Rescue teams were called out to Freshwater East on Friday evening following reports of a person climbing on rocks in the falling light and with the tide coming in. Tembe's RNLI all-weather lifeboat, the Hayden Miller, launched shortly after 5.30pm on January 29th. A concerned member of the public contacted Milford Haven Coast Guard HQ after they saw someone climbing rocks near Freshwater East with the light diminishing and the tide incoming. The lifeboat was quickly on the water and the volunteer crew made best speed to the area. The casualty was quickly found near the top of the cliff using the searchlights on the lifeboat. The lifeboat informed Coast Guards that the casualty was climbing back up to the cliffs and heading to the coast path. The lifeboat was stood down and returned to the station at 6.10pm. A spokesperson for St Govan's Coast Guard rescue team said we would like to thank the person who called the Coast Guard. They definitely did the right thing and if you see someone on the coast and have concerns for them, please dial 999 and ask for the Coast Guard. I'm Charlie James and you're up to date on Pure West Radio. Listen live at purewestradio.com I'm like the water when your ship rolled in that night Rough on the surface but you cut through like a knife And if it was an open shut case I never would have known from that look on your face Lost in your current like a priceless wine The more that you say, the less I know Wherever you stray, I follow I'm begging for you to take my hand Wreck my plans, that's my man Life was a willow and it bent right to your wind
strand Wait for the signal and I'll meet you after dark Show me the places where the others gave you scars Now this is an open shut case I guess I should have known from the look on your face Every bit and switch was a work of art The more that you say West Radio. I'm Ben Stone. Welcome to Pure West Sport with G&G Builders. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. We're on the air until nine and we've got a busy show lined up this Monday evening. Once again, a very good evening and welcome to Pure West Sport with G&G Builders, a Pembrokeshire-based company who've been in business for 30 years. You can find out more on their website at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. So much to come on the show. As ever, we are live between 8 and 9 on the Pure West Radio Facebook page. Former Wales Rugby International who began his career with the Scarlets, Dominic Day from Lamphy, will be on the show. Dom was a really good servant for the Scarlets as well. I used to love interviewing him and he was always happy to talk to us as well. He is going to be joining us live between 8 and 9, so you can ask any questions on the Facebook page using the hashtag Pure West Sport. But between now and then, we're going to hear from the cricketer that Bill Kahn describes as the best batsman he's ever seen play cricket in Pembrokeshire. That's the Australian David Lovell. Now, you, you may know the name. He played for Lamphy in the 90s, but that only tells part of the story. A real character. And, of course, nowadays... Overseas players can't play in the Pembrokeshire Leagues. Is it time to revisit that? You're going to hear a four-part interview with David between now and eight o'clock. And we actually recorded it yesterday because he's based out in Australia. That's where he lives. And his hometown had actually just gone into a snap lockdown when he joined us. But David Lovell spoke to Gordon, Fraser, Bill and I. And you'll hear that interview before eight. Plus, Fraser Watson is talking to one of Pembrokeshire's greatest ever trail runners as well before eight. It's a busy show and it's all here for a Monday evening on Pure West Sport. Ladies and 
gentlemen, please welcome to Pembrokeshire Vision Arts Wales, a brand new creative hub in Haverford West. Playing host to a youth and amateur theatre company, a show-stopping choir and a multitude of masterclasses from Broadway and West End talent. Calling all actors, singers, dancers and those who want to bring the West End to Wales. Vision Arts has the spotlight and the curtain is about to rise. Ready to take centre stage? Visit visionartswales.com. At KO Carpets, you know quality is assured. We've been your local family-run business for over 40 years. We're widely recognised as Pembrokes' leading supplier of domestic and contract flooring. We provide full end-to-end -end service, free measures and estimates, free delivery and free fitting by our professional team of highly skilled fitters. Come and see us at Vine Road, Johnston, or drop us an email, sales at kocarpets.com. We're a knockout at flooring. This is Pure West Radio. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire.
Fairground attraction and perfect for Monday evening on Pure West Radio. I'm Ben Stone. It's Pure West Sport. And let's get to our interview with cricketer David Lovell, who joined us from Australia. Gordon Fraser, Bill and I had the opportunity to speak to him. And you're going to hear the interview in full this evening. And I started by asking Bill to describe someone who certainly made his mark on the world of Pembrokeshire cricket. Made his mark was certainly correct. I'd say David Lovell was the best cricketer I've ever seen in Pembrokeshire. I don't want to flatter him too much because he's an Aussie, but he was, and he had so many talents. He brought a new dimension to Pembrokeshire cricket, which was appreciated by some and not by others. But by God, just watching him was a treat. And Dave, I'm delighted you're with us. Last time I spoke to you, you were uh, just delighted because you'd featured in a big partnership with your son in Australian cricket. Can I just start by asking you, I know your kids are heavily involved. How are they getting on with their cricket? Well, the son I had the partnership with, he probably was more of a footballer than a cricketer. So he he was following my dream a little bit. So he stopped playing when he was 15, 16. So that didn't quite work out for him. But my 12-year-old and my 9-year-old daughter are right into cricket. And my, my 12-year-old son is a promising wicketkeeper batsman who can bowl a little bit. And he's now representing the equivalent of Pembrokeshire at under 12 level as the wicketkeeper batsman. Uh, that's awesome. But he also plays for the equivalent of Pembrokeshire in, in football. So he's um, very talented. I'm right in saying you're still playing regularly as well. I am now. I, I, I've lost 53 kilos. Cool. Um, I, I got, which is about, I don't know, six, seven, eight, so I don't know what it is in, in mm. stone. But I, but I had, um, I got lazy and fat, to be honest, and I've lost all the weight and I'm back playing cricket. And uh, I play with my 12-year-old in, in our uh, F grade team. And um, and my daughter's nine. She plays under 10s under boys and under 13s girls cricket. Uh, and they both play football for their local representative team. So sport's a big part of my life. But now that I'm back fit and healthy, I've actually even, AFL was my game, Australian football. And I'm now playing for the over in the um, equivalent again of Pembrokeshire type standard. So, yeah, it, it, sport is a big part of my life and a big part of my family's life. And I'm, I'm just grateful to be back playing again. We should take you back to, to when you um, arrived in Pembrokeshire, David, and, and go back to the, the beginning. I think it was in, in the mid 90s, 1996, you, you, you uh, started playing your cricket. Warwickshire. How, how did it come about? How, how did playing cricket in Pembrokeshire come about for you? Take us back to the beginning. Well, the beginning was I was playing for Derbyshire and Basper Drakes was playing for Lampy. Derbyshire in, uh, brought in Basper as a guest uh, player to play at Derbyshire. So John Green was uh, involved with that. And John and, and Basper turned up at Derbyshire and I met John and John and I sort of instantly got on. I don't know, that just happens, people, people click. And John said, look, we play these games of cricket down in Pembrokeshire uh, where the, the local Lampy team will play the Morgan team and whatever, whatever, would you like to come down and play? And, and Viv Richards was there at one of those games and I got invited down and I brought some Australian friends with me down for a bit of a holiday midweek on, a, I think it was a Tuesday. And uh, it was one of the rare, sunny, hot, awesome days in Pembroke. And I've gone, this is the best place in the world. Why am I here? But it's also in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, well, I don't quite but a lovely place for a holiday and um, played the game and, and met some awesome, awesome people from Glamorgan and, and also the local people from Lancy and was well, well received. And we had just a, by the best two or three days down there and, and a couple of Australian friends I brought down with me, they said, man, this is, this is awesome. The beaches are awesome. 
Um, the people were friendly. It was just, it was just a fantastic place. So, and then John and I had a, a relationship, friendship that just blossomed from there. I think that was in 1992 or 93. One of those topics, those years anyway. So, yeah, an awesome summer. Dave, I look back now at that, that era when you played for Lampy. It was obviously a tremendously successful era. I know we've spoken before. You've had great times with Harrison Allen finals and so on, you know. And and let's not beat around the bush here. It wasn't well received in all quarters because I think it upset the hierarchy. It upset the apple cart, you know, and the side who previously had been at the top were knocked off and, and the likes of yourself and, and Vasper Drakes and Brendan Nash were so influential. Now, since then, Pembroke has taken what I feel is a very draconian step to stop overseas players coming in. You know, and, and I, I, I really resent that. I thought what you guys brought to our county, not just with playing, through coaching as well, what you passed on, you yourself were involved in junior coaching. You, you did some with me at San Ryan and, and Pembroke Society as well. And, and we all benefited from that. And are we missing out? Because those names, the ones I've just mentioned alongside yourself, they, they were household names, all right? They might have upset the apple cart. They might have been raped, but they raised the standard of Pembrokeshire cricket. And, and we learn and people remember those names, you know? Are we missing out now? Are we taking a short-sighted view on this? Well, I don't think it's a Pembrokeshire issue. I think it's a, an Eng, it was an English cricket issue too because the Australian cricket team in the late 90s and up to 2010, 2015, they've been so dominant that I suppose when the home of cricket is, is Lords, it's the UK, and when you're getting whipped at an international level and certain things there, people kind of, I don't know, unhappy or, or whatever. But, yes, it, it probably is it, – it, it's incorrect to, to stop it because the, the, the knowledge that we pass on as cricketers and, and the Lamphy Lamp went from an average second division team to a dominant, not just Pembrokeshire cricket, but we took on the teams up in Cardiff and Swansea and up in Colwyn Bay and, and, and we, we took it to them. And, and people who weren't probably at the same ability to be able to do that, they stepped up. And, and I remember playing games against Hartford West and Kerry Caselli and, and all the other big names in Pembrokeshire. And when, when I played with the other guys, you could feel the level of competition was there. And it was a shame that more clubs didn't embrace it. I mean, I did talk to lots of other clubs about trying to bring players in and there seemed to be a, a hesitancy because it was like, well, what's it going to cost? What do we have to do? I don't know. It was it was probably a bridge too far, but it was okay when Hanford West were winning when, when Henderson Springer was there. But mm -hmm. when he did it, it seemed to be not the thing that was quite right. Whether that's right or wrong, it's irrelevant to me. But and we love the coaching. I love the ability to do it. It was a great lifestyle as well. And I had something to offer. And we, we were just talking off air before you came on there, actually, Dave. And what saddens me is, is by restricting that, players coming over here, you limit the opportunities the other way. Now, I, I'm delighted for James Skeels, a name you know well. I spoke to him last week. He told me straight up it's the best thing he ever did was go out to your club in Hall's Head and play some cricket. You know, he's really benefiting from it. But I don't think enough youngsters, because we've limited overseas players coming now, have the opportunity to do that and are doing that and, and are being able to benefit from playing a different standard and culture. Well, when I was 19, I went to Yorkshire to play, and I was a good player at 19, but I arrived there, and I found it three weeks, it was very, very difficult to fit in. I'm like, well, I'm from Australia, they're from Yorkshire, they're a bit different than Yorkshire again. <laughs> and within three to four weeks, it, it, it became very simple and easy, and, and they embrace it. But different culture in Yorkshire where, well, Yorkshire's the, 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 the heart of the world if you talk to people at the Yorkshire cricket, but... 
apart from that is they really embrace the, the knowledge and passing on. And I know that um, Steve Inwood and Ashley Sutton and a couple of other boys have come out to play at Horsehead and, and Perth, and they've really benefited. And James Skills, his cricketing skills when he first arrived were okay, but now he's playing awesome. He's, he, and he's, he's, not, he's a part of the club, and uh, there's a few other English lads there, and it, it's working out really well. There's a, there's, a, there's a cultural benefit as well because you tra- like COVID's making issues, but you can learn so much because even if you look at players from Glamorgan who come down and help out with coach, I remember Tony Cotty was, was coaching when I was there, he offered a lot. But if you don't broaden your horizons, you limit your ability to expand your knowledge. Mm. That's whether it's in, it's in sport, business, personal life, whatever. And, and that, that's a shame that Pembroke has chosen the decision and there's a lot of reasons for that but I mean I, I love the time there I, I probably wouldn't have left if if I was if it hadn't gone the way it did I, I had a great life had a great house and uh, wife and family were good but it, it, it was too difficult to stay for me and uh, I, I would but I probably would have come back to Australia man, because the lifestyle here is pretty awesome and, and James is just proving that for, for a tea as well. And of course we heard from James who's almost doing the reverse of what David did playing cricket out in Australia. He spoke to Fraser Watson on Pure West Sport a few weeks ago. More to come from our interview with cricketer David Lovell after Pink and Just Give Me a Reason on Pure West Sport. From the start, you were a thief, you stole my heart, and I, your willing victim. I let you see the parts of me that weren't all that pretty, and with every touch, you fixed them. Now you've been talking in your sleep, oh, oh, things you never say to me.
It's Monday evening and it's Pure West Radio. I'm Ben Stone. Welcome to Pure West Sport. We're live on the Facebook page after eight with former Scarlets player Dominic Day, former Wales Rugby International, joining us on the show. But our special interview in this first hour is with Australian cricketer David Lovell, who graced Pembrokeshire from the mid-90s onwards. And Gordon Thomas picks up the discussion right now in part two. Yeah, Dave, I just want to talk about your personal career, actually. When you started off, uh, you played for Western Australia under 19s and potentially you were, uh, you know, looking towards playing uh, a regular cricket out in Australia and hopefully making it to uh, full grade cricket. Uh, obviously, you come over here to uh, the challenges, what you just said about Yorkshire. Um, are you disappointed that you didn't play enough first-class cricket? Do you think you were good enough to play more first-class cricket? Was it the mentality thing or you ha- you obviously had the ability. Where, where do you think um, the differences were? Oh, look, I had four knee operations. That hasn't helped. So that, that's just unfortunate. And yeah. there's... there's in, I now, know, I now know the reasons why that were there. So there were some issues there. But when I played um, cricket, when I got picked to play for West Australia at the first-class level, I also had a contract with Durham. The, the contract with Durham was if I played for Western Australia, I lost the contract with Durham because in those days the rules were you had to do a four-year qualification. I think part of the main reason was I played in Yorkshire for four years. If I'd played in any other county, I would have already been in the county setup. I didn't understand that process at the time, so I didn't have any management skills in that no. area or the right type of people to support me so i'd say poor choices on playing in yorkshire but when i was in yorkshire i, I set records that are still still sitting today runs and when i like I said, the first three or four weeks i really struggled but what they embraced me as their own and I, I probably fell in love with the playing in yorkshire rather than the it wasn't the right thing for my career and no I, I knew players at all the other counties and they said, well, come and play at my club. And, the, uh, and I, I look back now and I go, that's probably the regret is I didn't, didn't understand the, the impact of... And now Yorkshire's changed its rules. They let anyone, they, they allow non-Yorkshire-born mm-hmm. players. But it, even when I was down at um, Lanphy and playing for Wales, I remember Matthew Maynard and, and John Green having a conversation. Like, well, I'd love to have that sort of guy in the team. And, but there wasn't that process of... Well, he's 28, 29, 30. Is it going to stop another young player? But I had 10 years. I would, I, I, if if opportunity, I had at least 10 years to offer to Morgan, but we didn't really talk about it properly. And I, mm. I, I was married, had a young child, and I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll go back to Australia. So that, mm. that, yeah. don't regret the, the career, but the four knee yeah. certainly didn't help. But poor yeah. choices. Um, and then uh, I, I have suffered with depression um, in the last five years, and I actually now understand some of the health issues around that. And I actually had depression at, at the age of 20. I didn't know I had it. Sports people, mm-hmm. I'm now doing a bit of research into this area, not really studying or looking into it. And you don't realise that when you're at another level of professional cricket or high-level cricket, you don't actually understand that it can be depressing. And I'm now seeing other people, and I'm talking to other players, mm-hmm. and and it's not. But today, it's identified. Thought that there is and a good friend of mine who I grew up with, he's, um, he's a senior inspector of the police, police department. He's, he watched me as a junior sport. And um, he's now the welfare officer of one of the leading AFL clubs. And we had a discussion just recently, and it's like the support that the, the clubs are now seeing that 
we need to look after the mental health and mental health is a real issue. And, mm. and I had, I did have some struggles in those areas. Didn't understand them at the time. No. no. There might have been a few of those angry outbursts and angry things that came along with it, but I didn't, I didn't understand it. Well, I understand it now. But I'm, I'm, I'm back playing cricket and I'm been yeah. asked to go to the West Australian over 50s um, uh, squad <laughs> to, have, to have a crack at it whatever goes forward from here but i want to make sure that i can pass on my life skills not only to my family but other people that i've, I've now come across mm. so yeah, looking forward to that. it's very humbling to hear you say that and i applaud you for for telling people that is great as someone who's got mental health issues in our family i applaud you for that i want i'm more interested as well as your sort of uh, your great days that you've had elsewhere. When you came to Lamphy, one of the very unfair criticisms levelled at you was the fact, oh, he's only in it for the money. And I was lucky to umpire the first game that Lamphy ever won the uh, Harrison Allen final. And I can still remember the presentation of that game, your face, because that meant as every bit as much to you as every Lamphy player and perhaps more every other Lamphy player. But when you look back on that, was that sort of as memorable as I seem to call it? I've played every game of cricket to the highest of my ability. Yeah. But the best games of cricket I've ever played, I still say this today, even all the stuff that I've played at Yorkshire, county level, West Australia, and back here in, in, with Hall's Head and other clubs in Perth, the three or four years of playing Harrison Allen cricket finals were the most enjoyable seasons, mm-hmm. the most enjoyable cricket, because I think the T20 format of cricket now if the, if the finals of a T20 final were played the same way as a Harrison Allen final, you'd have an awesome, awesome game. It's a fantastic format. I've not seen it before, and I saw it, and I'm like, wow. And you can see on the day of the final what, a, what it means to the people and what it meant to the people at Lamphy too, because it was, oh, it's hard to, hard, you, you can't explain. And it, mm. it is a fantastic day. And the pressure of the day, I try to bring in a lot lower level of um, pressure. I used to say to guys, look, don't don't change what you normally do. Play it down and just um, enjoy the day. Because if you play the way you can play, you'll you'll you every chance of winning. But if you don't, that's okay too. Yeah, I was chairman of the county at that time, and one of the traditions was that the chairman went to both clubs in their headquarters afterwards and, and said, well done. And I remember going to the dial in where you boys were celebrating, and again, that's part of what I feel mm. about that day. Mm. There was no Lamphy and then Dave Lovell as the superstar. You were just one of the players there. And I always remember Peter Hall, or you remember the late, great Peter Hall, saying to me about you when he was having a cup of coffee in my house one day. I won't use the first two words. They started with F and F. Awesome. There's a compliment for you, mate. Absolutely. Now, Peter Hall actually taught me a lot of aspects around, well, which I'm now seeing as as a mature player. You've got a lot to offer. Mm. A lot to offer your team and your people as a mature player, and, and he was awesome. And I'm sure we'll pick up some of the, the themes of our interview with David Lovell after 8 o'clock. We're live on the Facebook page for the second half, and you can get involved. Anything you're hearing in the interview, leave us a comment on the Facebook page, and you can get involved. Hashtag Pure West Sport. Two more bits to come from our interview uh, with David, all on the way before 8 o'clock this evening on Pure West Sport. Oh, Loch Farm Ice Cream. Handmade delicious ice cream using the milk of their 350 free-range cows right here from their Pembrokeshire family farm. Come and try the extensive range of flavours which include traditional, 
banana, blackberry, chocolate, coffee, ginger, lemon, Pembrokeshire honey, Pembrokeshire salted caramel, raspberry truffle, pistachio, strawberry and many more at their newly opened shop on the Riverside, Haverford West. They offer a range of sizes from small tubs and cones to eat on the go or insulated takeaway tubs for you to enjoy at your own pleasure. Loch Myler Farm Ice Cream.
It's Monday evening and it's Pure West Sports with G&G Builders. More at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. And let's get back to our interview with Australian cricketer David Lovell, who graced Pembrokeshire, of course, from the mid-90s as a star for Lamphy, scoring loads of runs. He was also a bit of a, a colourful character, as we're hearing. And at the start of part three... We asked David to talk about some of his favourite memories and favourite innings from his time in the county. I remember a semi-final at Lamphy against Kerry. We had no chance of winning and um, Alan Davis was bowling and uh, I remember hitting the first ball for six, the second ball for six, guiding it down to third man for four, guiding next one down to third man, just picking the spots. And I remember after the game, there was some a uh, lot of tourists there too because it was a midweek game. It was, I don't know, what time it July. And that was a pretty good innings. And um, we we shouldn't have really won it, but I just was focused. And, and yeah, that was an excellent innings. I remember another one against Cresselli. I got 169, I think it was, not out. And um, Cresselli is one of my – I always love playing at Lanthi, but Cresselli was probably my second favourite pitch to play on because it was a beautiful wicket. And a short boundary back in the clubhouse was always handy. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's, lot, there's, there's lots of them. I mean, uh, yeah, to, to remember them all off cuff right now is um, yeah. everyone was right. But I, I do remember playing some innings against some of the touring Welsh. We played in the Welsh Cup. Yep. Um, that was good to beat some of the Cardiff and Swansea teams. They'd come down here, oh, yeah, who's this sort of uh, West Country hillbilly team? And they'd rock up and smash them and they go, oh, God, they've beaten us. These are the first teams in South Wales League, the first division Cardiff League teams, and they didn't like it. Um, although the best ever game, we beat Clenethley at the dial, and we were drinking with the Clenethley team in the dial-in, and the Welsh male choir was actually touring, and we sang songs and listening to the, the Welsh tenors, etc., etc., singing the dial that night with the Clenethley team, and they stayed there till, I think there's a little bit of afters on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, we won the game quite easily. They, they weren't happy about it. And then we played them next year, and we beat them again up at their place, uh, and the same sort of night happened. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's many, many innings and, and, and many a time. So, yeah, yeah they were all enjoyable. Yeah. Can I, can I ask, Dave, I always think of you when I'm watching Snooker and Ronnie O'Sullivan is on, left-handed to be in a right-hander. And I remember watching you doing that and thinking it's not a good idea because they hated you for it. Where did you learn that skill? You must know it had an effect when you were doing that in Pembroke. Oh, yeah, no, but I've done that all my life. I did yeah. that in... Uh, well, I'm left... I'm ambidextrous. I can throw both hands. So I can throw the ball from the boundary left and right-handed. But I've had a few injuries. So but I was doing that as a 16, 17-year-old playing A-grade cricket and state cricket. <laughs> I actually bowled left and right-handed in the state of the 19 game against Queensland. And that didn't go down too well. Um, and I remember opening the batting in a T20 evening league game in Yorkshire and um, the bowler ran in and I hit the first ball for six and he, he said, that you slogger? So I said, okay. So I turned around and batted left-handed and made 50 <laughs> batting. <laughs> and, yeah, so I, it's just one of those things where you, you, I, I try to mentally challenge the teams I'm playing against too because everyone's got the same sort of ability within reason. Yes, there are more talented people and I'm fortunate enough to have that talent, but if you can mentally get into the head of the other the opposition, then you've kind of won the, won the battle. So, 
Yeah. You, def- you definitely got into Pembrokeshire's heads there. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but they allowed it to happen. I mean, but yeah. there were some tough competitors. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Andrew Phillips and I don't always see eye to eye, but I always found him a tough, tough competitor and never give in. And, and you got to respect that. And there, I was going to go on to that, actually, Dave. Which bowlers in Pembrokeshire that you did battle with most <laughs> left their mark on you? Which ones do you remember? Well, I, I always rated Rob Williams. I felt Rob Williams, and, and he played a couple of games for Wales, um, and I felt he was someone of high skill and high high talent. So he, he'd be one of the players I always rated as a, as a uh, bowler. Good. But there were there were some of the old wily people. I mean, I, I don't remember what the guy was at that uh, Lorenny that played with Rob too. But an old an older player that just kept bowling on the spot. And he, I can't remember his name, but he was he was a tough tough character. Clive Tucker was always a good bowler. You know, there's there's, there's plenty. I mean, even I remember Gary Lloyd at Nayland. I, I didn't, didn't hear him. clever bowler, Gary. And he was difficult, but you you think, well, how can he be a good bowler? But but he was. He was effective. Mm-hmm. So, but there were. There were I mean, it's hard to sort of put. I can't remember everyone's name either, so it's difficult yeah. to remember. Everyone's name. So yeah. I, I mm-hmm. But they're, they're the ones that sort of. So I have those conversations with people on Facebook or friends of mine as well, and they, they talk about things. So you, you think, oh, yeah, that was that was awesome. Uh, did you ever face Colin Williams Vili's from Harfordwest? He yeah. was quite a renowned yeah. character from Harfordwest. Yeah. Well, the problem with Colin was I think he respected me too much. Yeah, but I. Yeah, no, Colin was a good player, but I got him at the back end of his career. Mm. Right. It might have been different if I'd faced him. But him and I, I felt him and I got on fine. So I, that was part of his problem. If you got on with me, that wasn't a good thing because I'm thinking I'm going to smash you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he, he, he liked a, a challenge and, and you've hit the nail on the head. If you became his friend, he sort of eased off a little bit. He, he, needed, he needed that nitty gritty, didn't yeah. he? He did, but he was, he, you know, he, his results sticked up for themselves. So, tough. I mean, I remember the semi final at, at uh, my first season that we played at Langham, and there's a couple of players at Langham, they, they were tough, tough competitors, and their nature was that nature. But again, I, I felt I got on. And Brian James, I mean, I remember talking to Brian James. He came into to John Glenn's office, and I happened to be coming in one day, picking up cars, or well, I don't know what I was, what I was doing. And Brian James says, no problems, Lanty, but as soon as you play in the first division, upset the apple cart, good luck. And I went, well, and Dr. Jobo's passed on now, but he was a fine, fine man too. He, yeah. Every, every yeah. Appropriate, but that's another, another story. But, you know, lots of fine memories. And it's really good to hear some of those memories from David Level, the final part of our interview coming up in just a few moments' time. And before eight, Fraser Watson's been talking to Sanna Duffy, arguably one of Pembroke's greatest trail and ultra runners. And you'll hear that interview before eight. And we're live on Facebook, don't forget, between eight and nine, with former Scarlet's player Dominic Day joining us. It's a busy Monday night. And it's Pure West Radio. I'm not your friend or anything, damn. You think that you're the man. I think therefore I am. I'm not your friend or anything, damn. You think that you're the man. I think therefore I am. Stop. What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Get my pretty name out of your mouth. We are not the same with or without Don't talk about me like how you might know how I feel Top 
on Pure West Radio for a Monday evening and let's get to the final part of our interview with cricketer David Lovell and I'm sure if you're a regular listener to the show you will know the subject of where's the best cricket tea in Pembrokeshire is one that often comes up. It was Lansing when, when my wife did the tea. <laughs> yeah, very diplomatic <laughs> answer. <laughs> yeah, cricket. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, Teru were probably the the benchmark. I think that's. Uh, I can't think anyone can argue with that. Um, but half of the West was always pretty good. Um, no, they, 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 they're all very good. But the thing with Teru was they made a big thing about it. And mm-hmm. and the thing is, you could have some banter with the with the, the ladies there too. And they knew their stuff. They knew their cricket. And um, they, they that was always good. But, and, and when they got the new the new town hall or village hall next door. And that that account, when we were playing a game there, they had the tea there, and that they put on a, that was probably the best tea ever. Um, although Mavamwe Lewis um, at at Lanfey and um, she she put on a good spread too, and, and there, were, there were many others too. So, but my wife was the best. <laughs> the very very diplomatic. <laughs> Fraser, were you going to come in? No, I just on another comical note. I think I'm not sure if you're aware now, Dave. Um, the Harrison Allen Bowl, the actual trophy itself doesn't go back with the clubs anymore. That they get a replica because of because of what's gone on with the trophy before. Now, Bill's mentioned about your celebrations in, in the dial in and after one <laughs> Harrison Allen win, but the trophy didn't the trophy yeah. didn't stay in the dial that night, did it, David? Anything you'd like to confess? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we took it around Tembe. <laughs> 
I, I think it was Ray Kane or <laughs> and there were two or three of the older people who've been around for a while going, what the hell are you doing? Drinking whatever pub out of this. We're like, well, I thought that's what you did. Because everyone went to, what was the, 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 the pub in Cresselli that, that um, The Cresswell Key or the Cresselli. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they fill it up. So we thought, well, that's what you do. So we did that for, I think, about three or four weeks. Because when we played at Leckred, we had it sitting in the, 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 the change rooms near the window overlooking the game. And we're going to the Leckred pub to fill it up afterwards. This is second or last game of the But then someone said, that's worth about £150,000. <laughs> we're like, oh, is that? <laughs> that's because we didn't know. It's Lampy's first thing. And I'm sure that, well, that, there was, there's, there's no rule book on how to, how to deal with the Harrison Allen no. uh, bowl. But thank God there's now a replica because if we'd kept winning, <clears throat> I'm sure some smart criminal from London would have figured out we'll go jump these bikes and yeah. Yeah. David, it's, it's great to talk to you on Pure West Sport. There's absolutely no doubt about it. You, you made a massive mark um, on, on cricket in Pembrokeshire and you talk about your time in Pembrokeshire so fondly. With ha- Happy times for you, fair to say? Oh, I, I, I loved it. But the last 18 months, was it wasn't good. You know what? That's what it is. That's what was the, the process. Time heals. I'd love to see players... From from Hall's head, if James Skill said, "I oh, want well, bring you, bring one of these players back to play at whatever club or three or four clubs or doesn't matter," but I think if you put in a program of saying, "Well, these are the expectations," because I know with the up in Yorkshire now they've put in. I talk to my, my Yorkshire mates quite a lot. They say a club professional must be a coach, must go to schools, must be a part yeah. of a program, must have these accreditations. Must, that, that's probably where the mistake was made. Is that if, if, you, if you actually go, you know what, let's embrace it, let's encourage it, let's work with it, and it is, it'll, it'll devolve to what it evolves because you can then start bringing in South African players, West Indian players, Indian players, um, New Zealand players, people from other parts of Australia, and before you know it, your standards will only improve. Yeah. Final question, yeah. who's going to win the Ashes? Uh, well, the toss, the toss for me decides the Ashes because the toss was with weather and results. So, yes, I'd like to see Australia win, but I'm a firm believer that I think the two teams are very, very equal mm. um, and there's superstars on both teams. But I think the toss now, and I think in, in India have now shown some grit. So they will want to come back with a bit of vengeance, but... I think there's enough professionalism now that it'll come down to tosses of coin and weather. So, yes, I'd love mm-hmm. to see Australia win, but I'd happy for England to win if, if they play the better cricket because, for me, the winner of the Ashes is the best cricket. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you ever so much for your time and for being with us on Pure West Radio. It's been a privilege. Thank you, David. Thank you. Well, it was excellent to talk to David and Gordon Fraser and Bill and I. We will be talking more about some of the issues he raised and your reaction as well. Any memories of playing alongside David Lovell for Lamphy? What about the fact that there aren't any overseas players in the county? Is it time to look at that again? We'll be talking about all that after eight. But right now, let's turn our attention to running. And Fraser Watson has been on the trail of a real Pembrokeshire achiever. 
Right, well, there's plenty of people not training in sport at the moment, but something we are all still able to do, of course, is running. And it's a pleasure to be joined now by arguably one of Pembrokeshire's best ever trail and ultra runners, and that's Sana Duthie. Sana, who in the past has a 100-mile race behind her, which she completed in under 28 hours, and she's attempting another monumental achievement this year, and we'll talk about that in a second. But firstly, Sana, I know you're out and about at the moment. Tell me, how's your training going? Yes, pretty much on, on home trails. Obviously, we can't travel anywhere, but we're lucky where I live. I'm literally, I think, half a mile from the temperature coast path on, on my local spot. So, still getting plenty of mud under my feet. Yeah, well, on that note, Sanna, I, I myself live in St. David's, an area, and I know you've run around a few times as well, and, and I've been doing a bit of coast path running as, as late, nothing to match your distances, but I've actually found it very difficult. I found parts of the path very saturated, and there's no shortage of wind about as well. How are you finding the conditions? Oh, yeah, I'm sure I'm uh, be good at mud skiing by the end of the winter. <laughs> um, strong ankles, that's for sure, but they say, um, you know, hard miles in the winter equals summer smiles, so... That's what I'm hoping for. And, um, of course, um, there is obviously a serious point toward this training for you. Not, it's not just for recreation at the moment. You are hoping to to break the Pembrokeshire Coast Path record this year, currently standing at 64 hours and 32 minutes, set by Richard Simpson. Are you, are you feel you're on course for that at the moment? Yes, but obviously being stuck to the street, my local bit, which isn't the hilliest bit, I definitely need to get a bit more hill training in when, when the weather eases up a bit. Um, and just want to get out and explore the other, you know, the other bits other than my 10 or 20 mile radius by me. And you're, and you're looking to complete this by the end of March and all being well? Well, depending on COVID restrictions, of course, um, yeah. yeah, I'd like to try and get out at the uh, end of March, beginning of April, you know, when the clocks go forward for spring, so more daylight and hopefully slightly drier foot. I, I have to ask you about last year, Santa, because I know you, you attempted this in August and, and in the end, fact as well, out of your control really stopped it. You had your torrential weather that day. And I know I remember speaking to you in the build-up when initially you were going to try it, which I think was around June and July time. Do you think in hindsight, the constant delays, the not knowing, and then eventually having to do it at a time when weather conditions were far less favourable than they would have been had you had your original date... Did you have any doubt in your mind? Did that affect you psychologically when when you got to the start line that day, so to speak? I felt pretty determined and I knew obviously I checked the weather and there was the risk of the wind. But when I checked that morning, it seemed to have died off a bit. It didn't seem to be coming in as much as it did. So I had a really strong start. But when I got from David's head to White Sand, it just got too dangerous. I was very disheartened. And yeah. Yeah, in hindsight, yeah, I would have liked to have done it more July time, but with all the tourists and all the delays with, with COVID, I just wanted to try and do it when the coast path was quiet so and the roads for my support as well. Sure, and... Um, and also, there is a poignant reason behind all this as well. Um, Sarah, I know you're, you're raising money for a cause that is close to your heart. Would you like to tell us yeah. a bit about that as well? Yes, I'm raising money for the Welsh Air Ambulance, which, you know, country is quite remote, so it is a, a service that serves us um, all through the year. And I think I raised just over £2,000, and the page is still open, and once I can set a date again and, and COVID eases, 
I, you know, share that page again, but it's just great to work with such a great charity that do see working close to home. Brilliant, and we'll be here on the POS Radio Show. We'll be happy to, to share the details of that page as, as the time nears, of course. But but for now, we, we wish you all the best, and we'll keep monitoring your training, Santa, and, and keep getting out there. It's not ideal weather, yeah. but it will it will get better. And, and we, all I'm doing is running in the dark. Oh, don't, aren't we all? Aren't we all? But no, and we re- really hope at the end of March, if, if rules allow, that you can get out on the coast path and, and have a good crack at this record because it, you can. It's obviously something you're very determined to achieve, aren't you? Yes, even more so now. I think. Excellent. Well, well, thank you for your time, Sana, and best of luck, and we'll keep following. Thank you, Fraser. No problem at all. Thank you. Fraser Watson with Sana Duffy, and as someone who loves running myself, and I know Fraser also does, that uh, was a really, really interesting interview. We'll talk more about that and, of course, reaction to our conversation with cricketer David Lovell, plus we've got the former Scarlets and Wales rugby star Dom Day from Lamphy joining us on the show. We're live on Facebook after the news at 8 o'clock on Pure West Radio. From Amroth to Amsterdam. For Pembrokeshire, from Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. I'm Charlie James and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. Public Health Wales figures released yesterday have revealed 50 new cases of coronavirus recorded in Pembrokeshire, Carmarthenshire and Ceredigion. Yesterday's figures showed 31 new cases in Carmarthenshire, 15 in Pembrokeshire and 4 in Ceredigion. In Wales, 605 new cases have been confirmed and 34 new suspected COVID-19 deaths have also been reported by Public Health Wales. The total number of cases across the three counties now totals up to 14,479. That's 9,805 in Carmarthenshire, 3,051 in Pembrokeshire 